The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Empower yourself and get inspired to build the life of your dreams. Welcome to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome to our show. I'm Dr. Drayvon James. This is Everyday Peace. I am super excited to be here with you today as we explore the concept of living a life of peace every day. Peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. I want you for just one moment to imagine you, your life at peace right now in this moment. Go ahead and inhale on that concept of peace defined as wholeness, completeness, nothing missing, nothing broken, totality. Hold that breath for just a brief second and then do a full body exhale through your mouth because I'm here to tell you that yes, it is possible to have everyday peace. Yes, you deserve peace every day. And yes, you can have everyday peace. We work together on this show to bring you the topics and the guests to partner with you as you create your life of peace every day. So I want to say happy Monday, happy Tuesday, happy Wednesday, whatever day you're listening to the show, it is indeed a happy day. And I hope your week started on a positive note. Too many people, as you know, view Monday with a dread. The weekend is ending the work week and it's about to begin on Monday. And some people just want Monday to end as quickly as possible. Listen, I understand this reasoning and I have felt this way myself many times in my life. But in a week of just days, are we willing to just throw one day away? Our anthem on the Everyday Peace Show with Dr. Drayvon James is, what are we waiting for? That is our 2021 anthem. What are we waiting for? We have everything we need right here and right now to be our best self. We don't need to waste another second before we decide to activate our best selves. So Mondays, Tuesdays, any day should not be a reason to delay our journey back to our peace, our peace, our everyday peace. Instead, we could view Monday as a perfect opportunity to begin the week heading down the right path. Monday doesn't need to deflate us. It could and it should energize us. That's why I'm so glad we meet here at the kick off the week every Monday so we can remind each other to start the week on the right path. I've been thinking about um, our last guest from last week and Dorothy Graham Odell had such great information to share with us. She had a book entitled The Overcomer, Facing Challenges with Faith and Courage. And we talked about her challenges of overcoming struggle with self-esteem, anxiety, depression, and family trauma. Dorothy offered great advice on how other people can deal with the issues of self-esteem, low self-esteem, anxiety, and depression, and even family trauma. If you missed last week's show, 
or you know someone who would benefit from hearing some great information on these topics, I recommend you go back and listen and and, and refer other people to the, sh the Everyday Peace Show. You can access the entire library of past shows by subscribing to Dr. Drayvon James' Everyday Peace Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher. Or you can listen to them on unityonline.org. You can also read transcripts of the recent, recent shows on drdravonjames.com, our brand new website. The website, you guys, as you have been hearing me talk about for a while was um, being revamped. We had our old website up there, but we've got a facelift. We've got new information. I'm so excited for you to go on there and check it out. A huge thank you to those who have already done so and sent me messages. So I appreciate that. You can access words of encouragement and wisdom on the website, excerpts from my book, Freedom is Your Birthright. You can uh, access contact information and guess what else you can get? Free things. We still have the free course out there, Creating Clarity and Creating a Path to Your Dream Life. We'll be launching a new free course in just a, a few weeks and you'll be able to get that there. Now, you know that in the past, we've been able to get free courses just by emailing DrayvonJames at gmail.com. That still exists today, but it is soon going away. As we're working on our new free products, you'll only be able to access them through the course, uh, through the website, um, drdravonjames.com. So please don't wait to the last minute. Uh, if you haven't been to the website yet, go to Dr. Drayvon James today, bookmark the site, come back at least a week so you can see all of the wonderful um, and again, that website address is drdravonjames.com. And that brings us to our everyday peace moment. We're talking about frustration today, guys. I was talking with a client recently about frustration. Now, in everyday peace, I teach and we know that we can use everything that comes into our lives to become our best self and to drive us to success. You know what I say, everything that shows up in your life, the good, the bad, and the in-between has shown up for one reason, and that is to bow down and serve you as you consciously create your next level of greatness. So when frustration shows up, we know it has shown up for that reason. We've had many discussions on this show about how we can transform emotions into actions. Even emotions that seem by some as negative, witness and anger, can be used to drive us in a positive direction. Now, I will admit, frustration can be a difficult emotion to transform. People associate frustration with anger, and anger is often a component of, feel, of the feeling of frustration. But at the core of frustration is a sense of failure. I know, there's that F word. Failure. Frustration results when we are not making progress in a task or a goal, or we're not achieving the progress as fast as we want to. Um, and to use the phrase my mother used to say, we feel like we're going around the mulberry bush and we're not having the um, results that we're looking for. We can tend to get frustrated because we're feeling this sense of failure. The feeling of failure can be difficult to overcome. And during these times, it is critical to get back to our everyday peace. So take a moment, acknowledge what you're feeling. We always start with acknowledge, put our head in the sand and pretend like what happened. We acknowledge, this is what I'm feeling. I feel frustrated, stuck. I feel like this is not going anywhere. Acknowledge that, then take a deep breath and remind yourself 
that we are rarely successful on our first attempt at anything. Every major success that we have had in our lives have been preceded by what's called mistakes or stumbles. It's not a lack of failure that defines us, it's our resiliency. Thomas Edison once said, I have not failed. I've just found 1,000 ways that won't work. And that is our everyday peace moment. So I'm super excited with that. We're going to welcome our first guest of the day, and that is Amanda Rosenthal. Amanda is a clinical social worker and a therapist. She is here to discuss a very interesting topic, finding love in the pandemic. I've been looking forward to this discussion and this conversation all weekend, Amanda. Thanks for, so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm excited for you to be here because you know what? The one thing I got to tell you that I hear from friends and colleagues and clients is that because of the pandemic, my love life is suffering. I can't meet anybody. Uh, I know people, I've coached people who've recently gone through divorces during the pandemic and they just feel like they can't get out of a rut because they don't know how to go forth. So why is focusing on self-love, well, look at me giving this away. (laughs) What is, (laughs) uh, let me back up. (laughs) Let's talk about how people, and why do you think it's even possible to find love during a pandemic? Well, I think the pandemic has left us with a lot of time to ourselves and knowing what we truly need and what we can do for ourselves in order to love ourselves before we can find someone else to love. Because if we can't love ourselves, you can't expect to find a loving relationship and give love before loving internally. So that's why self-love is so important. And during this time that we're in the pandemic, we've had a lot of time, more so than others, um, to just be alone with ourselves and our thoughts and figuring out, you know, what we love and what we don't like more so now than ever. Because before we may not have looked inward to figure that out because we're so busy doing this or that, this um, situation has gave us a lot more time that we need to look inward and finding that inner self-love helps us to figure out what we um, need and deserve from a relationship. Oh, I love that. So what the pandemic is doing is is removing a lot of the distractions, the things that take us away from our relationship with self, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I I love that. I often say when I coach people is that if you look at your your relationships, they are a reflection of what you think about yourself, right? So um, you're drawing in that energy. So so the I, I agree. The more that we get to know ourselves, we can work on some parts of ourselves and say, hmm, why why am I treating myself that way, or why do I feel that way about myself, and decide to love ourselves and attract um, a higher quality of love into our life. I I honestly believe that. So understanding personal needs in order to transform um, that to a relationship. How do we get closer to figuring out what it is we truly desire from our relationships? So we need to figure out what drives us. Like what are those, you know, thinking back to, you know, childhood, what were those things that you had fun doing? What makes you want to get up in the morning? What makes you feel empowered within yourself so that you can relay that to the relationship? And that could be something that you provide to that relationship 
and the strength that you provide when you do find that partner that you have you know, that time with. And then they're going to offer their strengths as well. So in order to do that, you have to find what your inner strength is, what your inner joy is in remembering to have fun. Because, you know, again, you know, when you're busy doing things, we forget to have fun and know what that inner joy is and knowing what you need in your life in order to have fun. And the basis of, like, relationship is communication, yes, but then you also want to have fun with each other. You want to be friends first before you grow that type of relationship because a lot of relationships, the reason they fail is due to, you know, losing that just light joy and inner childlike behaviors. We forget about those when you're just kind of going about the hustle and bustle of life and you can't, you don't have that time to have fun. But now we have that time and you're trying to, you know, people are still trying to figure out what that is to them and what that means to them and understanding what they need from a relationship and looking at your past relationships during this time to figure out what didn't serve you, but also what did serve you and kind of making that list and seeing those different types of things that you need from a relationship. Yeah, I love, I love, thank you for that answer because I love the idea of finding your inner strength or your inner joy. And do you have any tips that people could use, especially now during the pandemic, uh, you know, people are home more than what they're out and about, but where do they start? Because I talk to people quite frequently who will tell me that I don't know what I like. I'm not sh- really mm-hmm. sure. How, how can they start the exploration of self, find out what their strengths are, to find out what they really enjoy? You can start with something as basic as setting a timer on your phone for 10 minutes and write down everything that you love from your childhood to now. And they could just be words or places, people, things. Um, I know during this pandemic, I wanted to get out more. And as things were starting to open up, I thought back to my childhood and I used to take tap lessons. So when things started to open up a little bit more, I started to take tap lessons again. And now once a week I go to tap class and I feel like that really just brings out my inner joy and that's just time for me to see what I need. I mean, I have an amazing husband and two kids, four and five, but like that's finding that time with yourself and what you truly love. So just setting a timer for five or 10 minutes and writing down everything you love, whether it's, you know, cooking, gardening, whatever it could possibly be. And it always helps to start with what you loved in your childhood. Any hobbies or activities um, that could help to start to get the gears turning in your head of what you could possibly still love now. You can bring that back out of you by just creating a list. And maybe you can't get everything out at once, but just kind of reflecting on that list every so often or every few days to keep adding those things that you just enjoy doing and then try doing them and see what it brings to you. Oh, I love the idea of writing that list and going back to your childhood. And it's so interesting that you mentioned dance. I was just telling a friend that that's Hello. one of the things that I love from my childhood too was, um, you know, taking dance. And and the thing I, that I'm hearing or feeling as you're talking is that those childhood uh, 
things that we love or are part of our core, you know, whatever that is. And it's never too late. I love the fact that you're married, you have two children, and you are willing to go back and embrace this the, the joy of tap and dancing. And there are people who will say, oh, you know, well, you're too old, you, you're too inexperienced. But it really is just about, uh, you know, maybe reaching to a professional level, you never know. But it's not even about reaching another level. It's about fulfilling uh, a part of you that that exists, you know, your love for this type of movement. So I, it's just astonishing how much I think we deny ourselves because we're looking for perfection instead of looking for joy. Absolutely. And my husband does hockey on Thursday, so we each have our day that we do the thing that we love. Oh, that's oh, isn't that beautiful? That that is beautiful. That's how you 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 can um, actually build a nice relationship to uh-huh. sustain sustain a relationship. So how do we? So knowing so we find out what we love. You found your dance, and your husband found his hockey. Let's say a new couple meets, and and they do know uh, they found their joy. How do they present this knowledge early in their in their courtship? Like this is who I am. This is what what I enjoy. How do you mix that in there in, uh, in the early part of the courtship? It's definitely finding that balance, that balance of spending time together and that um, spending time apart doing your individual activities and knowing what that balance is for you. Because you don't want to have, you know, one of you spending all the time doing everything you love and not putting enough time into the relationship. So you both need to be invested enough that you want to have a relationship and work on those balance. And that's why communication is so important. And, um, you know, my husband and I are constantly communicating. I know it could sound like exhausting, but it's a really good thing because you can't read someone else's mind. So if you're doing too much of your thing, the other per and the other person's like feeling bad about that. Somebody needs to speak up. There has to be um, a conversation to know, like even from the beginning or you know, the fourth date or so. Okay, well, you know, I have you know, some people play soccer or whatever you know, this is what I do on the weekends or this is what I do here. And are you able to balance that out and accept each other for who you are or can somebody give up a little bit more time to put into that relationship? It's finding that balance with each other. And, you know, some people that look differently. You know, some people need that more alone time or more together time. You have to find out how to complement each other in that respect. Yes, it doesn't seem quite individualistic, like you have to know what works for your relationship. But one of the things that I think for our listeners to key into is that it helps. I hear um, the the men that I coach, uh, I hear sometimes a complaint of women being very clingy or smothering. And I think what you're saying right here is a way to prevent that, is that if you have a, a task or something, a hobby that you really, really love, and you have designated it to one or two days per week, that gives your partner some breathing room and some exploration room of of him or herself, because it's not just men who fall into that category. But, and it seems like a great way to not only build a relationship, but to preserve a relationship too, because everybody has that individual time to really work on themselves, has that breathing room. So Yeah, absolutely. And and, and, you you always hear people saying that um, you want to get the the partner that the kind of love that you deserve i guess is the best way to say that you hear that all the time don't settle get what you do what you deserve this is tricky because while we all deserve to be loved 
how can we approach this justly without looking for, you know, trying to look for perfection or, or make someone feel like they need to be the perfect person? How can we get with what we love and what we deserve without invalidating somebody? Yes, great question. Because I've definitely been in my share of unhealthy emotional relationships and you basically have to follow what your body is telling you. If you're, you know, you're pulling away, and I remember I used to say, you know, this relationship's good enough, I'm willing to settle. That's not something you want to, you know, follow. You want to know, like, in your gut, you want to have that peace, and you want to be able to trust. So when your body is reacting a certain way, you really need to listen to it and, like, trusting your gut and your heart to pull you in the right direction. Because sometimes you you, know, you make up these things in your head where, you know, on the one side, okay, I'm willing to settle. Or on the other side, you could be, a, you know, too picky about it, and then you end up losing great relationships. And it's basically at the core is, you know, finding that person you want to be on a team with for the rest of your life, that you want to create that good foundation of communication and teamwork and building a life together, not having it be perfect, but just building something together and saying, this is ours and this is what we created and being proud of that. Yes. And you said something that I love, Amanda, the body does not lie. The mind can get really, I think our mind sometimes, you said it best, like, oh, this is what I could settle for. And even, even if we don't use the phrase settle, which may be a triggering, um, uh, phrase for us, the mind has a way of trying to compromise a lot and saying, well, you know, look at your age or look at this or look at that. <laughs> Maybe this is as good uh -huh. as it gets for you. Right. But you're, but you're, the body doesn't lie. The body does give you certain cues that it's uncomfortable. There's something here that it, it's uncomfortable with. And, and I think that's important. I know, uh, well, what are some things, let me ask it. What are some things that that could be happening in somebody, if you could, that would tell us that maybe this is a warning? doesn't mean that it's a, a hard no, but this could be something's going on and telling you that maybe you ought to check things out a little bit more. What are some things that our body would do to give us those type of signals? Okay, yes, absolutely. Like, a lot of the times it could just be like a pit in your stomach or that weary feeling of not fully trusting them or always needing to know where they are, that sense of control that a lot of, you know, relationships have that are, aren't healthy is like needing to know where that other person is or needing to like look on their phone and just having that urge of like something's off. But and a lot of the times, a lot of people feel just like a pit in their stomach of, okay, something's off or I just don't feel right, but I'm going to go through it with it anyway, because this is what I have now. Right. And because he, he or she checks all the other boxes. Right. And you start uh -huh. ignoring, ignoring the fact that, hey, every time I, you know, I, I feel this, um, you know, like you said, pit in my stomach or my shoulders get tense a little bit. And I think a lot of times there's a tendency to laugh that off as, oh, I'm just nervous or isn't this. It's like, hmm, no, your body is really trying to communicate something to you that you need to look into a little bit further. I love the fact that our bodies are um, so in tune to uh, and connected to um, our soul and let it try to give us a message if we would just slow down another good thing i believe amanda that came out of this um pandemic and you said in the beginning is that uh these distractions we're we have more time to notice these responses in ourselves i think before 
pre-pandemic, we were so busy that a lot of times we didn't take a minute to realize, oh, yeah, my stomach does feel a little bit, you know, something's going on. There is a pit uh-huh. in my stomach. The slowdown period has really been good for us. Um, we, we, we have a few more minutes before we get to the end of our talk. I would love for you to tell us how you work with clients, how people can get in touch with you, and uh, anything else you'd like us to know. Okay, so basically, um, I'm currently offering a three-month session period where you can have contact with me 24-7 throughout that three months, and I offer services that we define goals that you're working towards or that you're stuck on, if it's relationship-wise or with just low self-esteem or anything in those regards. We kind of pinpoint what you need to do, and I work with you based on your lifestyle, lifestyle and circumstances to get you to a better place where you need to be mentally. And, you know, with my background in therapy, um, as a life coach, that definitely helps to give me a lot more tools in that regard. And the best way to find more information and contact me is newyoutherapy.org. And um, especially with the relationship side of it, I met my husband on Match.com. So I'm definitely no stranger to online dating. And that's how, you know, most people are meeting during these pandemic times. So I definitely have a lot of tips and things to offer when it comes to online dating. Oh, I love it. I love it. And that's newyoutherapy.org to work with Amanda Rosenthal. And, you know, that that led me to my next question really briefly. um, Do you feel that, you know, men and women of all ages are looking for connections? That's absolutely true. Are there generational differences and recommendations um, at meeting um, for millennials versus Gen Xers and Part of that question for me was, you know, people who are more comfortable or not comfortable at all with um, dating online. Um, I found every, even from like twenties until you know, and above, basically, online dating is just becoming much more common even without the pandemic. So it's just kind of a way to see what your options are, but then you know, meeting them outside of the online space too afterwards when you feel comfortable. But, you know, I we did it like about 10 years ago when it kind of wasn't talked about that much. And when people are like, how did you meet? It's like, oh, online dating. And, you know, people are still kind of skeptical. But it's definitely becoming um, more of a thing. And I definitely have a lot of clients who worked, I worked through the self-love with them and all of that even after divorce. And then it was amazing because during the whole pandemic, this I have a couple that um, they met during the pandemic and now they're able to like integrate their lives together and it's just been such a magical thing i hear our theme song we're out of time our fabulous guest today was amanda rosenthal and you can connect with her at newyouttherapy.org You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Create and build the life of your dreams. Welcome back to Everyday Peace with Dr. Drayvon James. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Drayvon James, and this is Everyday Peace. Our next guest is Patty Bear. Patty Bear grew up in a rather restrictive Mennonite 
and went on to become an Air Force pilot. She worked for airlines, now is the author, an author and a life coach. Welcome to the show, Patty. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you. And I got to say this again. I, I told you just this during the break. Every time I say your full name, Patty Bear, I get delighted. When I read you know, about your bio and about what you've done, I get even more delighted. So I am super excited to have you here t- today to share your unique experience and your expertise. And the first thing we're going to open up with is this um, this term, which uh, I was new to, uh, is the butterfly destiny. We're talking about reaching our destiny today with you. And what is a butterfly destiny and does everybody have one? So I'll start with the easiest part first. Yes, everybody does have one. In fact, everybody has many uh, butterfly destinies throughout their life. Um, And what is it? Um, The Greeks in uh, Greek folklore, the Greeks uh, imagined the soul as a butterfly. That was their image for it. And so if you think about the process that a butterfly goes through, it starts out as a caterpillar and it's crawling around along on the ground and that's all it knows. Um, And it has no idea of what awaits it on the other side of transformation. Um, And it goes into this process, into the chrysalis and Everything that it is dissolves. Um, it's not recognizable. Its past form is not recognizable. And the form that it's to become, it has no idea. Um, and for humans, this is a really scary process in our lives. When things dissolve, when they disintegrate, it's, it's pretty frightening. Um, but on the other side of that, it comes out and, in, and a new life emerges. And you have the adult um, butterfly. And then it becomes the full-fledged butterfly. And on the other side of that transformation, there's this beautiful, colorful creature that can fly that the caterpillar could never have imagined could have happened to it. And so each time we go through this process in our life, this cycle, um, we reach a new butterfly destiny. And then that butterfly um, just, you know, starts that, that cycle over again. And each time we do this, it's like a spiral where we spiral higher. Um, and I heard you say in the beginning of the show about how everything in your life um, serves as a, it, it's a re, it it's per, has a purpose in life. It serves you. And I often say that um, trauma can sometimes be a path to liberation. That these things that we think of, um, that you know, when things when positive things happen to us, it's easy to go, oh yeah, that's serving me, right? But when life falls apart and when it's not fun and it's painful, it's much harder to see that it's serving you. But um, that was that was my experience. I, I grew up in this old order Mennonite culture among the plain people of Pennsylvania with the Amish and the Mennonites. And um, I, that was the life I expected to live. It was a life where women were trained to be silent, submissive, obedient. They sat on the opposite side of the church from the men. They didn't have any voice in the church, um, just a very, you know, very dependent life. And on both sides of my family, all the relatives that I knew for about 400 years back, as far as I knew, everybody belonged to this church. This was the life that we would grow up lead. And I expected to wear the long, dark dresses that my mother wore and the black bonnets. And I didn't know any different um, until a traumatic event happened and it upended everything and completely um, changed my destiny. 
Wow, that's a beautiful, beautiful story. And uh, thank you for sharing it. I want to go back just a little bit because the butterfly destiny, I, I love the phrase, uh, I love the term butterfly destiny. And there was something that you said that each time, and I want to paraphrase it properly, but each time I guess you complete or is it that you just face it, you go a little bit higher. So you get multiple butterfly destinies in your journey, your life's journey. In and if I understand it correctly, once you finish that one or complete that one, then you have another one and it takes you a little bit higher than the previous one. Am I saying it properly? That is absolutely correct. And, you know, the thing that I would emphasize, too, is that we, in order to go higher, paradoxically, we have to descend. And so that place where we go into the chrysalis is a descent into the darkness and um, the old life is disorganized. It becomes disorganized. It sometimes becomes chaotic. Um, it disintegrates. It dissolves. But that's all necessary. It's like we have to make, we have to clear out the old um, to make room for the new. But yes, you're absolutely correct. Each time we go through that process of transformation, we come out higher and higher. It's an upward spiral. So what, and I, I could spend a whole hour on this, so I want to move along, but I just want our audience to get this because I know that there are people that are in different phases of their life that are listening, a part of our listening audience who are everyday peacemakers. And I want this really to be an encouraging point because we all know that life is cyclical, right? We we're and I heard this many, many years ago, I was very, very young and discouraged when I heard it, but I've lived long enough to know that it's true, is that uh, we are either in the middle of something coming out of something or heading into something, right? And so yeah, that's just absolutely. the cycle, cycle of life. Right? And, and I was young when I heard that in, in my teens. And I was like, nope, not me, not me, but yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Well, it's stuck, so, so it must have been important for you. <laughs> oh, yes, it was traumatic. But anyway, uh, but but so but here is here is the truth of that. And what you said is so true. And I love the way you said it is that you first have to go down to to spring higher. So when you when you said that, I had this idea of, of when you're um, on the what's the little uh, thing you, the kids jump. In, uh, I can't think of the name of it now. A little the trampoline. Thing, trampoline, right? So you go you, you you're down and then you spring up higher, and then the further down you go, the higher up you go, right? So the more pressure right. on the down, the higher up you go, and the more, and the more you get this joyful feeling. The higher up, if you ever played on one of those, and so wherever you are in your life, I really want to be encouraged to our listening audience to hang in there. Keep keep your eye focused on the fact that you will, this is your butterfly effect, your butterfly destiny, excuse me. And you are, you are going to come through this. You are going to come through this better than you could possibly imagine. So I just, I, I love, I love that. I love that whole thing. And you've written a number of well, we're going to talk about the books and everything else. There's so much to say. So I want to ask you this question before I lose it. What is the difference between oppression and being stuck in life? Yeah, so it, I think sometimes we can confuse these two. Um, and so oppression is uh, outward control. So, so someone is objectively controlling you, uh, in some way restricting your freedom. Um, so, for instance, in the culture that I grew up in as a child, the women were not really allowed to have jobs. There was economic oppression. So it limited their choices if something – and it limited their power. Um, we have – you can think of um, 
the religious oppression, which was that was a part of it. Uh, what my father got shunned, and what that meant is that when he when he left the church, um, they he was not a, the members of the church weren't allowed to eat with him. They weren't allowed to do business with him. It was very much an emotional. Um, uh, it was it was a punishment. They they defined it differently, but it but in actual fact it was a punishment. And so there's this oppression of if you leave, there's a consequence of that is um, not about bad behavior. It's about you. You're not allowed. We're controlling you. Um, of course, we see this with um, you can see this with dictatorships around the world. So it's an outward. It is an outward control. Um, sometimes that can be conditioning. It's it's subtler. Um, it's been going on for so long. It's a tradition in a family. It's a tradition in a culture um, that we're conditioned. Um, nobody has to tell us anymore um, what to do. We just automatically do it because we've come to fear some some result. Um, so that's oppression. Stuck is something different. When we get out of the situation, when we're no longer actually being oppressed, we can still hold on to those beliefs and they can still impact our actions and our choices. So we may leave home and we're no longer children, but as an adult child, maybe we think, well, I should do this or I have to do this without really questioning it. So that's how, that's how I would define those two different terms. Oh, yeah. I love that. And it's it sometimes a lot of work to one realize that you're stuck, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then be willing to put the effort in to become unstuck. I think about, you know, they said in the circus, uh, they put the elephant, the biggest, strongest animal there, and they're holding the elephant pre- uh, in place with a small little uh, stake in the ground and a little, you know, little rope. And the elephant could easily break away, but, you know, they've been oppressed or whatever. They've been in that, they don't even try anymore. You know, they just, oh, yeah. you know. Right. And so that, that's what I think of. And I think you're stuck. You know, you, you are out of that situation, but you're still there emotionally and mentally. You're still in that situation. And of course, that to me is uh, probably sadder to see because you realize that a person could move on. They could move into their destiny, but because they can't figure out how to let go of these internal blocks, they won't do that. Yes, it's a great example. Yeah. So oppression sounds very daunting (laughs) as if it involves total control of another human being, you know, and and we're talking about like, you know, breaking free from um, being stuck, but how do you break free and stages to do that? Well, so I would say this, um, you're either always breaking free or life is breaking you free. And so, um, uh, sometimes when we break free, we choose to do that. Um, we consciously set out, maybe we, maybe we start a business or maybe we um, get out of a relationship or maybe we move to the other side of the country or we do something like that consciously because we choose to. But life also comes along and breaks us free. And sometimes when that happens, we feel like we've done something wrong. You know, we've been bad in some way or we've made a mistake. But um, my experience with... Um, you know, I, I write about in the book, this happened to me when I was eight years old. So objectively, your readers can under or your listeners can understand that I didn't do anything wrong. You know, I was just part of this system. But the system, uh, as a result of my father, my father, my father got shunned, he became berserk. And 
he took his case public. He took his story public and he made the front page of the New York Times and he was in the Washington Post um, multiple times in these national newspapers over the course of a decade. He was in newspapers all around the country, Canadian television, and it it was um, just a very searing experience for us uh, as children and to be exposed publicly like this because he had a... um, he had a. Uh, he was regarded as like a folk hero, and pe- people did not know the trauma that we were experiencing, the violence that we were experiencing at home, and that we were living on the run. And they used to send us letters, and and so there was this whole, this whole um, circumstance that was um, like a pressure cooker. And out of that. I looked at it and I decided I never wanted to have my mother's life. I was going to do something different. I had no idea how to do it. And so in a lot of ways, the situation broke me free from this tradition, this 400-year-old tradition, um, because otherwise I would have joined that church. I would have lived my mother's life. I I just always knew that. Um, and so it can happen two ways. We choose it or it chooses us. And um, um and life will break you free. I love that you said in the beginning that we're always breaking free or life is breaking us. It reminds me that, you know, every day we get up, we have to make a decision. Again, we have to re-decide, re- reaffirm ourselves to whatever it is we're moving towards. Because if not, we'll find ourselves not, you know, reaching our goals. We've got to make that decision every day, remake that decision, recommit to that plan every day because there's a thousand and one things that are here as distractions or um you know the oppressions of the mind and physical oppressions that are there so making that decision to three break uh, free and to move forward is important in, in a daily process so can you describe what it is the call of your wild soul like what is that and how do you hear it Yes. So your call of your wild soul is basically your inner knowing. It is the voice of your soul and it calls you to adventure. It also calls you to, um, when you go through that process of dissolving on the other side of that, as life begins to reorganize and a new life is built, my experience was that it calls you to this path of breadcrumbs and, um, you don't know where that's leading. Your soul knows where it's leading, but you don't. So for instance, for me, I was called to, I won this um, race when I was in eighth grade. And as a result of it, I got um, recruited to a high school sports team, which was not um, something we did in our culture. Um, And then um, my brother told me he heard that I wanted to be economically independent and I figured I would probably have to go to college though um, from our background neither the men nor the women typically went to college because you would was felt that you would get um, educated away from the truth but my brother told me to take all the hardest classes I could and I listened to him and then when I was in 10th grade he talked me into taking flying lessons which I did not want I had no interest in it I got air sick And, um, but there was something about it that was like, yeah, just do it. So I just took a couple lessons and then I was like, well, I guess I'll solo. 
And then I soloed and I was like, well, I guess I'll decide to get my private pilot's license. And I didn't have very much money. I paid for this all myself. I worked after school, weekends, summers, and had no idea why I was doing this. Women weren't even making a living at, at flying in those days. It was, um, it was, it was 1980. And then one day, um, when I was in high school, um, there was a, an announcement over the loudspeaker and it said, there's a cadet from the Air Force Academy in the guidance counselor's office. And if you want to hear what they have to say, and from my background, where we weren't allowed to serve in the military, we weren't allowed to vote, I didn't even know what that was. But I was like, eh, it has something to do with flying. And, you know, I didn't have anything else to do, so I went in. And my whole trajectory changed. Out of that, it's 180 degrees from where I had grown up. And I graduated from the Air Force Academy, and I became an Air Force pilot and aircraft commander in the first Gulf War and just retired 28 years as a um, just retired as a, a triple seven captain for the airlines. So just totally different. And all of that came from this little inner voice that I would hear. It was like, and it's not loud. The voice of the soul is almost never loud. Um, what are the ways you hear it? Sometimes it's an inner knowing. It's an intuition. Um, sometimes as it was with my brother, someone else says, Hey, you should do this. Right. And something about that's like, uh, Okay. Sometimes it's a synchronicity. You hear something. Um, so there's an opportunity that, that comes available. And all of these things are the ways in which your soul speaks to you and pulls you along on your unique destiny. Um, different from what anybody else in the world, and only you know that. And you can, you can discern the voice of your soul by paying attention to it, using common sense, uh, certainly risk analysis, you, you know, you don't just um, go out and um, it, it, it will call you to, to sometimes risky things, but not crazy things generally. And the more you listen to it, the more adept you become at discerning what is this quiet whisper of your soul. And if you follow it, and it has always, it rarely takes you where you think it's going to take you. But what I always say is it always takes you to the essence of your desire, what you truly want, what truly makes you happy. You have said so many key things here in this talk and that, and that answer. So I want to go back. Thank you for that. This in your inner knowing, right? It's an inner knowing. And there is, I am in a place now in my own life, and I'm speaking for hopefully a lot of our listeners too, that I do, I can feel that pull but there was a point in my life that yeah. and I remember vividly where I if you would have said that my inner knowing it would have just sort of frustrated me and we talked about frustration in the beginning of the show but I would have felt like I don't know I don't hear an inner knowing and uh but I love how you came back with this and this is I think key it calls you to adventure right yeah. and adventure feels it sounds good when you're cuddled up in the kid as a kid on the couch reading a book, but when you're an adult right. and you're thinking about adventure, it sounds, oh my goodness, can I afford that? And what about the kids? And what about the house? And what about the mortgage? And what about the car? Right? You got a right. 1,000 what about? And what if this? And what yeah. if that? But if you go back to the root, this is an adventure, right? It is an adventure. Yep. Yeah. And, and I always say to people that, um, 
you know, please do use your common sense and run it through a risk analysis. You're, the voice of your soul is not some um, guru cult figure. You don't have to listen to it. All that it asks of you is to consider it. I've gotten guidance years ago. I was sitting and I went to Quaker meeting for a while. And the idea there is you, you know, sort of a, a direct, um, you're basically really tuning into the voice of your soul. And I heard this phrase and it was like a, a sentence or two. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Um, am I supposed to stand up? You know, part of the tradition there was that you could stand up and share it with the, the rest of the congregation if you wanted to. And so I kind of tuned in and I was like, am I meant to share this? And I couldn't really feel anything that said I was meant to share it. So I was like, the only thing that was clear was that I was to write it down and remember it word for word. And so I did. Um, I couldn't find any relation to anything that was going on in my life at that time. But I wrote it down and I remembered it. And it wasn't until 20 years later that it became of use to me that I realized what it was there for. And it was in writing this book in my memoir. Um, it was about how to tell the truth. And I was like, oh, I get it. So, and I have another friend that says, um, guidance always arrives in advance of need. And so when you get guidance, write it down, honor it. You don't have to follow it. You don't have to do anything with it. Write it down. Pay attention to it. If you get an intuition, honor that. At least give it consideration that it might be, you know, guiding you in a particular direction. And then do your homework. Does it make sense? Can you afford to do it? Can you afford to do it at this time in your life? I love it. So you're going to you're going to you're going to lean into this is what I'm saying. This is me paraphrasing. You stop me anytime it's wrong. <laughs> but what I'm hearing how it's translating in my mind is lean into that adventure. And when you're leaning into that adventure, you know, do do your risk analysis, do the adult thing, figure out where you can build in some safeties and your, you know, but lean into it because there's something on that journey for you. That is going to have this, um, yeah. So that's this is butterfly. It's going to take you to your butterfly destiny, so to speak. So I think that is just amazing. There's a whole um, the call of the wild soul, and I want to just and we're almost out of time. But I want you to tell us people how to get your book and all of that. But I just want to say one other small thing that I heard you say there is that the voice that speaks to us is soft, right? It doesn't scream yeah. like all the other voices. And and I always, uh, so that requires that in, for me, as I think about that in my own life, how I connect to that, you don't have to call it meditation. You don't have to call it prayer. I call it silence. You do have to spend some time in the silence. For me to do that is to be out in nature in some form or fashion and just be silent. Listen to, I call it the call of the wild sometimes when I'm walking and there's all kinds of critters and there's a beautiful sounding birds. And all of a sudden I can hear this sort of like whispering inside of myself, not even like a word. It's like more like a feeling, but it's strong enough to call it a conversation. And I think that's where we find that silent, that silent presence that knows everything, right? Yeah, that's so true. I get it when I'm running. I get it when I'm moving. And if I want guidance, I simply ask a question. I just throw it out there and then I don't worry about it. And it comes when my mind is calm. I don't meditate. I don't. 
I don't do any of that. I just ask a question. Not that you can. Everybody has a different method. I just ask a question, and then the answer arrives. Um, mm-hmm. And it usually arrives in quietness. And like you said, it's um, it's a quiet answer. It it rarely shouts. Yeah, it's a quiet answer. So there's something to be said about um, having this time to ourself and being in this place of of of, of silence. So tell us yeah. a little bit about you know um, your books and and what you're doing. What what's what's next for you? How we can connect and stay abreast of your of, of the wonderful work that you're doing. Yes. Uh, so my first book was called House of the Sun: A Visionary Guide for Parenting in a Complex World. I wrote that four years ago. And my recent book is a memoir called From Plane to Plane, My Mennonite Childhood, A National Scandal, and an Unconventional Sword of Freedom. And um, sort of lays out the framework as we were talking today about what it looks like, an actual story of what it looks like, a real life story of what it looks like to follow this call of the wild soul and to toward your butterfly destiny. Um, and you can get that online. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Indie Books, um, Books a Million. Um, it's uh, audiobook form, Kindle, all the different forms. So that's what I'm doing. And I, in the future, oh, and you can contact me on um, uh, Patty Bear author page at fa- on Facebook or Patty at the Flying Club dot com. Excuse me, Patty at the Flying and in the future, um, I uh, would like to write more about the butterfly destiny and the hero's journey, which is uh, very much the same. Um, so that's what okay, I will I, be doing. I have a feeling that no matter what you do, we'll be following because you have an amazing story. This is Dr. Drayvon James. You've been listening to Everyday Peace. I absolutely love you. I hope that you find your destiny and follow it to the end. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.